In today's show, it's time to look at some tips for a fantasy basketball draft and for you to get the most out of it. And dare I say, dominate it. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. I was trying to look through and see videos that we do leading up to the season and I realized I hadn't done this one yet. <clears throat> it's basic draft day tips and ways that you can go out there for a snake draft, whether that's a category league or a points league, and how you go out and dominate it. What things do you need to pay attention to? So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> the number one thing that you need to be aware of in a snake draft is what are your rules? Know your rules. It is. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You have to know your rules. How many teams are in your league? Actually, start off first. What league is it? Are you in a category league? Is it each category? Most categories? What are the categories? Are there eight? Are there nine? Are there 10? Are turnovers replaced? Are threes replaced? Is field goal percentage replaced? It changes so much. So what's your scoring? Are you in a points league? Are you playing Yahoo default scoring? Are you playing ESPN default scoring? Or if you're playing some wild and wacky situation where things are changed. Because whatever you read or see or watch or listen to, it's going to be tilted through some sort of lens. Now, I try to keep my stuff towards standard nine category leagues and standard Yahoo points leagues. They're the two things that I reference a lot when I'm talking about these things. Because I can't reference every single point scoring category. I can't reference a 13 category league with offensive rebounds and assisted turnover ratio. I can't do that. It's impossible to do. So if you're not playing something that's standard, you need to know how to adjust that. That's part of where Basketball Monster comes in because you put in all of your unique league settings in there and things adjust based on that. But you need to know those things. You need to know what it is. You need to know how many teams are in it. Is it an eight-team league? 12? 30? I don't know. You need to know though because again, it changes things because the scarcity of picks becomes different. Like blocks can be a hard category to get. You're in a 20-team league the value of a block goes up so much more because there's just more teams to spread those stats around. You're not all guaranteed a high shot block. Half the teams might get one. So the ones who get it become more important and the ones who don't need to just disregard that category because you can't find it in as many spots. You need to know how the roster is set out. Again, the majority of my leagues that I will talk about, 12-team leagues, 13 roster spots, 10 active spots, 3 bench spots. Normally a couple of injured reserve slots, which doesn't really impact when we're talking value. But if you're playing in a 20-team league with five starters and 10 on the bench, that changes so much because your bench, you don't use them. They're there to stash guys. You play in a league where there's 10 starters and two on the bench, well, then all 12 of those players, 
will get used every game they're available. There's no stashing. There's no sit-start decisions most of the time. It changes everything. What's your roster construction? Are you playing default Yahoo where you've got two centers required? Well, the value of centers goes up. Are you playing default ESPN where you only require one center, but at most you can only roster four of them? Well, the centers become differently valued, less valued probably. Because you only need to start one of them. You can't stash them. You can't hoard them. It changes the value of these things. Do you have all utility spots, all flex spots? Do you have specific point guard, shooting guard, or you just have generic guard? Because if you have point guard, shooting guard, then you need to get a shooting guard. But if you have just generic guard, then you're just going to probably load up on point guards. It's important to know these differences. And even a slight change can marginally, or sometimes maximally, impact your draft strategy or what you're going to be looking at in season as well. Do you have injured slots? Is it a league that is is um, setting lineups every day or once a week? Because in a once a week league, guys that are going to sit back-to-backs or are likely to get hurt, it becomes a lot harder because, especially at the start of the week, if they're going to be questionable, it's very hard to lock them into a lineup, isn't it? Because you might get zero games, you might get one game. So do you avoid the players who are going to sit back-to-backs a lot more in a weekly league? Yeah, you do. Guys with more injury risk heading into the season, you... you you change your opinion. But then in a weekly league, your bench is like an extended injured reserve. It's stashable because if they sit on your bench, you literally don't use them. You're not changing guys in and out. They can sit on your bench for 10 weeks if necessary and then bring them back later. So it changes the value of a player entering the season injured. Jaron Jackson Jr., Lonzo Ball. You're in a weekly league. You can draft them. They sit on your bench. You don't miss out on anything if you've drafted them at 100, 110. You don't miss out on anything. In a daily changes league with 10 active and three bench spots, then you're going to cop zeros for weeks and weeks and weeks because you have to use all 13 roster spots in that scenario. So it doesn't seem like it's really that much, to be honest. Like even when I talk about it, I go, well, yeah, is it weekly or daily? Does that actually change much? Yeah, it does. Is it 10 starters or six starters? It changes a lot about the strategy that you have to employ. But if you don't know these things, if you don't know what your settings are, You're setting yourself up for failure heading into your draft. I think it's as simple as that. You have to know what your league settings are. You have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb. How many waiver ads can you make for the week? Is it seven? Then the bottom of your roster doesn't mean as much because you're streaming through the bottom one or two spots. If you can make three ads for the season or some of these leagues that have, you can do 25 moves for the entire year, then streaming's not an option for you. You can barely do it. You've got to be really looking at injury replacements or guys that pop off or changes in rotations rather than just like, oh, well, I'm just going to make moves because I've got so many of them. If you Are you in a roto league or a head-to-head league? In a roto league, you have games cap. You probably should, but maybe you don't. That means streaming is important. In games cap, it doesn't matter. You can't do it. You've got to know these things before you work out when, when do I take flyers? When do I take upside guys? When is steadiness more important to my squad? It's all changed based on settings. That is the number one thing that you need to know heading into a draft. I can if you if you take nothing else out of this, you have to know what your league is. You have to. It's as simple as that. What's the playoff structure? Is it two teams get in? Is it eight? Are they two week playoffs? Are you playing ridiculously until the end of the season? If so, leave the league. Are you playing in a league that has league votes for trades? If so, leave the league. Get it changed. Don't do it. 
You got to know these things. You got to know your rules. Yeah, you got to know them. I, I can't. I can't stress that enough. You've got to know your rules. You've also got to know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? If not, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. It's right up there with, I don't know, they didn't put it in the copy, so I'm going to make things up, but I don't want to be too offensive. Like, what's one of life's greatest joys for you? Is it eating Built Bar? It's got to be top three at least. That, maybe, is it the birth of your kids? Is it, yeah, I, I don't even know. Is it your favorite team winning a championship? Or is eating a built bar? I'd probably lean built bar, to be fair. And got a new one, cookie dough chunk puff. Real cookie dough chunks covered, like all built bars, in 100% real chocolate. High in protein, low in calories, low in carbs, low in fat, low in sugar, low in all the bad stuff, high in the good stuff. Low in bad, high in good. Wow, what a slogan that is. Should I change Built Bar's slogan to that? I don't know, but you're going to love it. The new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. So da- ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKEDON15. High in good, low in bad. Built Bar is built different. All right, what else do you need to know heading into a, a draft? Rankings lists. I will get this question all the time. Josh, you got a rankings list? Hey, bro, where can I get your rankings list? Josh, who are you ranking here? And I'll talk points leagues in a second. For category leagues, they're a bit pointless. I don't do a rankings list. I don't come out here and say, well, I'm going to slot this guy at 50 and this guy's going to be at 51 or 52. Because when you're in a category league, out after the first round, which I am going to do a show on, this is probably the order I'd take guys in the first round because obviously when you're picking that guy in the first round, you haven't made any other picks, so nothing influences. But after that, everything you do in a category league gets influenced by what you've already done before. So be really, really cautious of lists. Here's my top 150. You can have them. You can look at them. You can go through them. But if someone's ranked 50th, and someone's ranked 55th, you know what? They are the same. In a category league, they are the same. If someone's ranked 60th and someone's ranked 75th, you know what? They're basically the same. The differences are negligible, and it might be that one guy hits three threes a game and the other guy gets seven assists per game and another guy gets 1.6 steals a game and one's ranked 60th, one's ranked 64th, and one's ranked 66th. So they're all pretty close, but they all might mean completely different things for your teams. Drafting off a rankings list, number three is gone, check. Number 10 is gone, check. Number 20 is gone, check. While the highest ranked guy is 22, that must be who I pick. You might as well draft on auto draft and you will lose your league if you draft this way because you've got to balance things. You've got to make it all make sense. If you're taking a bunch of high free throw guys and then add in Ben Simmons because he was a value pick at pick 80 and he was the highest guy in the ranking list and he takes your team's 80% free throws down to 75. Well, you've screwed your team really, haven't you? But he was ranked highest. It's all about fitting the right categories into the right spots and drafting the guys accordingly that makes sense. So if someone is ranked 70th and you're sitting at 56 and go, man, there's not many shot blockers coming after this. And I, I need some blocks to solidify it. Take him. Who cares that it's 15 spots ranked too high? It doesn't matter. Take him. In a points league, it is a little bit different. Because in a points league, what we are trying to do is draft who will score the most fantasy points. 
Simple as that. So if I have someone ranked at 50 who's scoring 25 fantasy points or someone ranked at 60 who's scoring 22 fantasy points, I take the guy who is scoring 25 fantasy points. Now, there can be a little bit of nuance in there based on games played and injury. We don't know that. It is impossible for us to predict when an injury will happen. We can take elements of risk and team and all that sort of stuff into it. But in general, I just want to draft the guy who I project to score the most fantasy points. But even then, 25 points versus 22 fantasy points in projections... What is that's that's one it's it's half a steal half a block combined added onto a projection, it's two rebounds extra. It's like one rebound one assist extra. That's all it is. So if someone goes twenty nine and seven, and averages twenty five points, I know those numbers don't add up, but just say they do. Versus someone going twenty eight and six, there's three fantasy points difference right there. And that that's all it takes. So don't be beholden to a list of players and go, well, the guy is at the top, therefore he is the best. Maybe there's error bars in all that, plus there's the way that it fits into your team. And getting that out of your head or out of your mindset, the like top of the list is best. Sure, in theory, maybe, but it's very flexible. It's a group. It's a, it's a tier. It's not a guy is at the top, we must grab him. That is really important. And, and that yeah, brings across to, to the next point, which again is more for categories. It's building your team, making sure your team makes sense. Am I actually just really bad at field goal percentage? Then the value of, say, a Mitchell Robinson is really limited. Late in the draft, my team's shooting 40%, 42%, no, 42 low, 42% and everyone else averaging 48. Mitchell Robinson's best category is 70% from the field. I add him to that team and my 43% goes to 44% and I'm still dead last. Doesn't help me at all. It's just a waste of his value. He doesn't actually help me where I need help. In saying that, maybe I'm actually the third best team in blocks somehow despite having a low field goal percentage and Mitch Robinson's maybe two blocks per game. It does help me. So I would draft him, but it's about making sure things fit together on your squad overall. People do get, I think, a little bit now, I talk people look at rankings list and get obsessed with that. People can get a little bit obsessed with pairings. If I get this guy in round one, who do I get in round two? And that sort of stuff, I think, is very much not black or white. It's very much not like, if you get this guy, you must get this guy. Because generally, if you draft this guy, it's like, maybe just don't pick this guy. There might be 10 options and maybe one or two that you don't pick versus there's one guy to pick and everyone else is bad. I think that's probably more how to look at pairings. It's more who not to pair versus who to pair. That's how I tend to look at that anyway. Because I think you can change so much with those pairings and there's so many different options there that you can go in multitudes of different ways. We'll do something on that at some point though. But I think that is worth mentioning. Scarcity, this is really important. I did reference it earlier, but when we're talking about where stats go, and I'll do a whole show on this at some point as well, but when you're drafting, the players who heavily influence points, assists, free throw percentage to a degree, but when we're referencing those categories, you it's very hard to find a high score, scoring player outside the top 40. You might find it with Wiggins, whose scoring's dropped off a little bit. You might find it with a Colin Sexton this year, even a Lowry Markinen at maybe the 80s, who might score 18, 19 points. But in general, when you want to be competitive in the points category, you've got to get it early. Assists are going to fly off. By pick 50, so many point guards and high assist guys are gone. So if you want to compete in assists, you've got to get it early. This is categorical scarcity. 
Threes, find him anywhere. Anyone. Reggie Bullock, he hits mighty three threes a game, and he's going to be on the waiver wire. And that's unbelievable value. Evan Fournier, he might still play 28 minutes in Tom Thibodeau's system and hit three threes and only score 14 points. But those threes are there. So you don't have to overdraft for threes early on. You can get some field goal percentage at points later on in the draft. You can get some rebounds. These Knowing where certain stats go and which ones run off, and if you're competing in points and assists, you better get them or else you're not going to get them later. And knowing which ones you can wait a little bit on, that all comes back to rankings lists. Well, this guy here hits lots of threes and he's great with low turnovers, but this guy is ranked two spots behind him, but he's awesome with assists. Shout out to it like a Trey Jones. Then you get the guy where you can't find those assists later, but I can find threes later. Even if the total, the, the dead-on value of someone's Z score in threes is, say, 1.6, and your value in assists is 1.2, so the value is higher in that guy hitting threes, it doesn't matter because you can't get those other ones later, but you, can find, you can't get assists later, you can get threes. Positional scarcity as well sort of ties into this. But getting good centers, there's a drop-off in centers, and there's going to be drops-off in point guards as everyone chases those assists understanding what positions you can find early and fill early versus ones you can get into the middle rounds versus ones that are not abundant early on, but you can find later on, like shooting guard and small forward. You can get some options for those later. These are all important things in, in part of your draft is understanding the ecosystem of your league and understanding what categories need to be attacked when and what ones you can wait on, and what positions you can wait on, what positions you need to go for, and how that ties into how your squad works. Again, categorical scarcity doesn't matter for points leagues, but positional value does. Because while everyone might be all the best scorers that you're grabbing are all point guards, you can only start a certain amount of those. You can't start them all. So you've got to start to look, well, is there a point guard drop-off, and maybe I need to get another position, or I'll get my shooting guard now, because there's just not enough of those, and, and the, the drop-off... That's more like a fantasy football sort of a situation. So getting those players at the right spot can be really important. I'm going to pair these two things together. Must draft lists and do not draft lists. Now, I will have a show, mainly because YouTube algorithm loves it. I will have shows that are called must draft players and do not draft players. I will have that show. And I will stress at the start of those shows that that is used to get people to come in and watch for me to explain that yeah, you will see this and it happens a lot on the fantasy basketball subreddit. There'll be a post, which is one player you are not leaving your draft without. And that mindset is a losing mindset. There is like, who is my guy that I'm going for? I don't know. It just depends on who's available to me. Like I could have said that it was Jalen Smith who was ranked at 300 or Shingun at 150 or Vassell at 270 or Wagner at 260. Yeah, I'd love to get those guys with my last pick. I, I'm not leaving my draft without them. And now they're all in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. So while I love those guys as players to pick, now I, I, I'm not, not leaving my draft without Jalen Smith because if he's there at 80, I think it's fine. But it's not like, man, if someone gets him, I've got to get him early. Shingun, man, it's going to be great. I, I, someone else is going to get him because they've updated him to number 69 on the rankings. Shingun's at 69. Well, I have to have him, so I'm going to pick him at 50. That's how you lose. Value is value regardless of who it is. In the end, 
what fantasy basketball is, is a set of numbers with a headshot attached to it. And there is obviously real basketball implications. How does the rotation work? How does the player play? Does that get him minutes? What are his stats at? What's his new role? How's his usage look? Is he handling the ball more? Is he hitting more threes? Does he get into the line more because there's no other one on the team who's going to handle the ball? Shout out Keldon Johnson. That's all important. But in the end, how we win, it's a set of numbers with a face. That is how all of that works. So it doesn't have to be, I must get this face. This face must be on my team. It's these numbers need to be on my team. And getting them at the right spot is what is important. So is Kawhi Leonard, is Lonzo Baller do not draft for me? Actually, he pretty pretty much is. But if I can get him at 140, 120, and I'm in a weekly league, I'll sit in there and I'll see what happens. Is Kawhi Leonard and do not draft for me at pick 10? Yeah, probably wouldn't take him there. He's fallen to the 30s. Would I take him there? Yep. I would. I would at 34, which is where his uh, rank is at the moment, Kawhi. I would take him pretty easily. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> so must draft list, do not draft lists. It's got to be nuanced. And I think a lot of people, and most people watching this, unless you're new, and if you are new, welcome. Good to have you here. I'm glad you're here. But the people who've been watching my show for eight years, nine years, 10 years, will understand that your do not draft list is empty. Your must draft list is empty. Your target list is jam-packed. Who am I targeting? Who am I avoiding at this spot? I'm avoiding Kawhi at pick 12. I'm snapping him up at pick 34. I'm avoiding Ja Morant at his initial Yahoo rank of 14, unless I'm in a points league. Again, know my rules. If I'm in a points league, Ja at 14 is totally fine. Ja's ranking now has been moved to 27 on Yahoo. So at 27, he in a points league, that is a must-draft player. And in a category league, that's sort of sitting in or out the right spot. Middle third round, probably. Yeah, he's probably more a middle third round guy. He was 28th last season. So he's in that area with some injury risk as well. So he was a do-not-draft at pick 14. Now he's a maybe-draft at 27, but he's also in a points league, a must-draft player, Jarmorant, at 27. Everything is relative. Everything is relative in, in fantasy basketball and drafts and snake drafts. It's all relative. You, it's very hard to have. Uh, look, I'm not drafting Chet Holmgren in a redraft league. That is a do not draft player. I'm not drafting Carmelo Anthony because he plays for not a single team in the NBA. He doesn't at this point. Maybe by the time you're watching this in October, he's playing for Boston. I don't know. But I'm obviously not drafting those guys. But I think it's almost more damaging to have this is the guy that I've got to grab because you end up going 20, 30, 40 spots too high and just to get a headshot, just to get a face. Just to get, I like this guy's face on my roster because the numbers, you might find them somewhere else better better off. Because as people move forward, remember, that means others have to move back. And we're always trying to exploit where that value is. Injuries, can't predict them. Sorry, you can't. I know you might think that you can. He's injury prone. You can't. I tried to prove this. I didn't. I can't definitively prove it, but I did do a show showing year-on-year correlation of injuries or games played over, I think it was a four or five-year period, looking at multi-year, and we just couldn't get high correlation. There was just no correlation between the games played one season versus the games played the next season. Sure, for individual players, it happens. Absolutely, it does. And with guys with recurrent injuries, like Christos Porzingis and his knee, I'm worried. Porzingis. 
Porzingis also won so many people their leagues last season by being like a top 13 player in the fantasy playoffs because he played every game. Kevin Durant missed a ton of games, played in the fantasy playoffs. Killed it. Huge numbers, like 40 minutes a night, basically. Shea Gildas-Alexander was the third-ranked player in fantasy playoffs if you ended your league on March the 20th. But he was like 70th, I think, if you finish one week later and like 150th if you finish two weeks later because injury and not playing. You can't predict injuries. You can't predict when they're going to happen. You can have concerns like I have Lonzo Ball, not going to be ready to start the season. No, no interest. Lower body injuries, especially knees where you get setbacks and you're not ready to start the season. Forget that. That is a recipe for disaster. But I, I, I can't tell you when someone's going to sprain an ankle or if they're going to. Nikola Jokic might come out, try and grab a rebound, get smacked in the hand and break his hand. He's out six weeks on opening night. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but it could happen. But just because he's been healthy the last three years, doesn't mean he's immune. Brooke Lopez was immune to injury, played 82 games his first two to three years. Then played, I think, 10 games over two years. And then came back and played almost every game for the last five, six years. And then last year played 10 games. Can't predict it. Russell Westbrook never missed a game. Damian Lillard never missed a game. Then Westbrook missed tons of games. And then last year played nearly every game. And Lillard missed nearly every game last season. You can't predict it. You might use it as a tiebreaker based on history, but fluky injuries can't be predicted. So just, you'll find guys like, Porzingis is going to slide. He's going to be a top 15 to 16 player on a per game basis that you will get in the 50s. And under no circumstance do you draft him in the 20s or 30s. You let him slide because people are worried about that injury. But again, it becomes a point, even like Anthony Davis too, becomes a point, Kawhi, you take the risk, you take the flyer because the upside is huge. So don't, don't think that you are better than anybody in the world and you can predict injuries because I'm assuring you, you can't. You, you can't do it. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's impossible. You can't predict them. You can't do it. I'm telling you now. Try as might as you might, you can't do it. Reaching. People get upset about reaches. I you reach so high for this guy. We did a mock draft last week. I'm gonna do more this week. The one that I really like, the one of the picks I really didn't like in that draft was Evan Mobley at 21, I think. Thought it was 40 spots too high. That to me is a big reach. I didn't like Anyekra Kongu at 70. Thought that was 60, 70 spots too high, maybe. If you take a guy 10 spots too high, it doesn't matter. Like we said earlier, it's about your builds. It's you know, ignoring ranking lists. It's about knowing your rules. If you pick the first pick, you get pick one. Then you get pick 24 and 25. Then you get pick 48 and 49. If you're sitting there at 25 and there's a player sitting there with a ranking of 40 that really fits what you need to do, getting him at 25, like he's the perfect player for you fits exactly what you want to do with your squad. You, you're happy with your situation. You're picking at 25. You don't pick again until pick 48. So take him. Is that a reach? Yeah, technically you went like 17 spots too high. But you had literally no other opportunity to grab that guy in a snake draft. None whatsoever. So it's not a reach. If someone's the 60th ranked player and you take them at 49, who cares? It's not a reach. If someone's a guy that's going to be available at pick 120 and you grab him at 50, then I'll question what you're doing. That's, that's, that is a reach. And that's what you want to avoid. 
because that all ties back into the idea of must drafts. Well, I thought that Johnny was a really big fan of Devin Vassell and you know, I, I, had to, I, I had to get him because he was going to pick him ahead of me. Well, Vassell, you probably want to pick 70. So if you're picking about 40 just because you think Johnny's going to get him, let Johnny have him. Like that, That's where you, you don't have to have that guy. You can grab certain players within certain ranges. Yeah, a 15 to 20 spot jump versus where you pick them versus rank or ADP is fine if you're not going to have another pick in that range. But when you're going 40 spots, 50 spots, that's when things go too far. That, that's where you've got to be careful. But it's not a reach to grab five spots, 10 spots, 15 spots, depending on your draft slot. It's not a reach. It's not a big deal. Get it out of your head. Get that out of your mindset that, well, I can only draft again. It ties back. I can only draft from the top of the rankings list. I've got to have my must draft. I've got to get all that stuff sort of out of your mind, which we, it does get put into our heads quite a bit. The last thing I want to talk about is pre-ranks and ADPs. And again, it gets tied in to reaching, to scarcity, to team builds, to ranking lists, to must draft lists. Your draft, in general, you're in a home league, whatever, it's heavily influenced by the site you are playing on. So familiarize yourself. Are you on Yahoo? Are you on ESPN? CBS? Fantrax? Sleeper? Another one that I haven't mentioned, Flea Flicker, I think. Familiarize yourself with how the draft room will present. Will the draft room be sorted in terms of X rank or ADP? Know where those numbers are. Have an idea of what other people are going to be seeing in your league as well. Because while I am telling you to be careful with rankings lists, to be careful with scarcity, to watch out with must drafts and do not drafts and reaching, it is not as bad as you think, but watch with it when you're doing it. I'm telling you all these things. Not everyone is hearing that. I wish everyone was hearing it. I wish they were, but they're not. So understand what's happening in your league. If you're in a league and, you know, Shangun was going at 130 and they're all like, well, we don't, you know, we're not interested. You can take him at 100. Get some extra value there. Now he's moved up to 69. That's fine. But, you know, we look at other sites. I'm just going to you know, reference Shangun again. Um, like on ESPN, he's ranked at 172. On Yahoo, he's at 69. It's a massive difference. So taking advantage of where, because one the biggest influencer of ADP is the site's pre-rank. It absolutely is. It's, it is the biggest influencer. Shengun's ADP on ESPN is 136. Remembering that if anyone is drafted outside 140, their rank just lists at 140. So Shengun's getting taken, basically, ESPN League's default to 10 teams as well. Last pick in drafts, because he's ranked 176th. On Yahoo, he's jumped up 14 spots in the last week, and he's at like 90 or something now. And it's coming in because that rank's adjusted, and that'll start to come in. That is what adjusts ADP. No, and know who you're against as well. Because how much are they following pre-ranks? How much are they following ADPs? You can use ADP and go, well, this guy's got an ADP of 90. I'm sitting here at 50. He probably gets back to me at pick six, 68 or whatever it is. I assume that, but it might not, depending on the proficiency, proficiency of who you're playing with. Cannot stress enough. You know, 
we can learn about every player. We can learn what their role is. We can take flyers, but being hyper-aggressive will kill you. But on the other hand, feeling like you can't reach above ADP will hurt you too. There's always a balance. Having a fully stocked do not draft list is a bad move. Having an empty list of targets is a bad move. Knowing your rules, that's never bad. You've always got to know that. Being un- Understanding where and when to attack certain players, to draft certain players, what your format is. Not falling into the hype. Not saying I have to get this guy. Not saying I have to avoid this guy. They're all keys to winning at fantasy basketball. And I want you to win. Unless you're playing me, then I want you to lose. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, I want one, two, three. Shove them right up the middle. Big thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Subscribe if you haven't. If you haven't, what are we doing? Hit the subscribe. We're good. We've got lots of stuff coming. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Thanks, Josh.